0: Well, this has been a long journey, the message I, I'm, I deal with today. 1980, I started the church. By 1983, I was wondering how I'm going to finance this thing. We had to buy land, <laughs> build buildings, do all the things of the ministry. I tried to do some fundraising, but found out I was a total failure at, at that. So I decided, I'm going to go back and teach what I know. I started tithing, bringing 10% of my income before the Lord. I started tithing in 1962. So in 1983, I went back to that, and I began teaching that and the blessings of it. And you know, the whole church became financed through the teaching of the tithe and the and the generous um, ability of the saints. Got a few notes here. I don't want to miss anything. But I changed my title for this message only this morning. I call it Receiving the Blessings of Giving. There's many ways to give. Tony, you still tithing? <laughs> <laughs> Tony's important to me. Because uh, he married one of our girls who was a tither. And he when he found out about that tithing thing, he wasn't too happy about it. But he came to church with his wife one Sunday morning. And guess what I was preaching on? <laughs> and he heard it and he said, that sounds right. And he told his wife, we're going to start tithing. tithe all my money. He wasn't even a Christian yet. I'm trying to convince Christians to tithe and we had a lost sinner willing to tithe because he heard the message. He said, that's right. That's truth," And he's blessed. I asked Tony, how are you doing? He said, I'm too blessed to be stressed. So I want you to believe that you can receive the blessings of giving every one of us. I have a chart that I'm going to work off of, and the charts in the book that Todd mentioned, The Kingdom's Economy, we have them for you today, at a phenomenal price. That's a nominal price. But we start with showing you the graph. If you would, Doug, go ahead and fill it. On the first line, you see the tithe, offerings, and alms. I almost could add a a fourth column, and I thought about that this morning. The fourth column, if I would add it, would be fundraising. Any preacher that does not teach tithe, offerings, and alms will have to depend on something else. And the only other thing I know is fundraising. And God didn't call us to fundraise. He t- told us to be faithful to the commandments of God and, and honor Him. And that's what we teach. Brother R- R.W. Shambach, you know the famous Radio tent preacher? He said, you need to leave the chicken to the colonel. Yeah. <laughs> the fire is supposed to be in the upper room, not the basement. <laughs> Get things right. So I, I found out Fundraising did not work for me. It worked for some people. Some people got the um, gift or the gall or something like that <laughs> to fundraise. And, and but when you hook somebody to give you a lot of money, the second line, second thing in line, I owe them. And I didn't want to be bought. I didn't want to be purchased. I want to be free. Treating the poor just like the rich, and I tell the rich. I have to treat you not like the rest of my congregation. Oh, that's good, Brother Francis. I, I don't want you to treat me special. But when push came to shove, you know what? Every time. And I, I couldn't operate like that. I said, what am I do? I preached the tithe, offerings, and arms. look Let's look at it. The tithe simply means the tenth. 10%. If you make a dollar... You bring a dime to the Lord. That's good math. You make $100, you bring 10 I saw a doctor on TV saying that's how our stru- structure of tax ought to be in the uh, United States. Just bring everybody, br- just bring 10%. We're all paying the same. That would be a good thing. That's all tithe means is a tenth. You say, well, I can't bring a tenth. We'll talk about that. The second column is offerings. We'll talk about offerings, what it is. Offerings is something that you give above the tithe. After you have tithe, you qualify to bring an offering. If, if you don't tithe, you, you're just using the large money, the tithe, in order to give offerings. That's not good. We'll see about that. Alms. I love alms. See, uh, on the offerings, that's why we take an offering on the first Sunday of each month to remind us we we should give offerings. And they go to the things that the church supports um, that we talk about other times. But the third column, alms. Alms is given to people who can't, work for themselves who can't do anything for themselves like the man that used to be in front of the post office in the oil center he had no legs somebody would bring him and he would sell pencils he had an industry but it was nice to give money alms to somebody who can't support themselves in other words they can't pay you back and the promises are tremendous to the giver of alms and we'll see in a little while the second line gives the motivation for our giving, the motivation that's in our heart. The first one, the tithe, is obedience. That's it. No flags, no feeling, no uh, nothing. You just go ahead and tithe. It's kind of a cold thing. I want some feeling. We We'll go over to offerings. This is free will. The motivation is free will. and We'll understand more about that later. But the motivation for alms is the need that you see. You see a need and you want to help. that will pay, pay off in a little while. Let's go to the third line. The tithe demonstrates, and this line demonstrates How are you feeling? It shows honor and faith and trust and worship and godly fear. And you make a declaration of who is king in your life. I want to slow down right here. In Malachi 1, chapter 1, verse 6, I think it is. Verse... Verse 6, the prophet says to the people of Israel from God, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be your father, a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? The Lord's rebuking the children of Israel. There is no honor among you of your father and your master. And he goes on to verse 8. If you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? Or if you offer the lame and the sick sheep, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? So we want to do something different. I don't tithe, you say, but I do different other things. That's like bringing a sick lamb to sacrifice. You bring that lamb. Oh, bring it to your governor. That's a good test. Whatever you bring in into the house of the Lord, think. If I would bring that to our governor, Jindal, I'd bring him a sheep out of my flock to sacrifice to the Lord. And he said, "Bring in the sheep." Um, He can't see too good. He's just about blind, governor. I'm sorry about that. Bring your blind sheep in. And he's not, oh, he's not too stable. He's weak. You know, he's been sick. I want to give you this. Will you, governor, be pleased? And that's what the Lord is saying. There is no honor. You come into my tabernacle and you bring the sick sheep and the Second-hand stuff. Salvation Army will take that. Um, what's the other one? Goodwill will take that. They take all your cheap stuff. But when you come to the Lord, bring the tithe. What is that? The first tenth, not the second or third. The first tenth. Oh, there's honor. How are you going to pay your bills? The Lord's going to help me pay my bills. How do you know? I brought the tithe. Oh, that's hard to figure out, huh? Chapter 3 of Malachi. We're going to read this later, I think. In verse 10, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be provisions in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I call this teaching what? Receiving the blessings of giving. And this is the challenge to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And prove me herewith. That word prove is test. I didn't, I didn't think we were supposed to test God. tempt God. In this one passage, he dares you to. That's how it's written. I did, he said, prove me. Go ahead and prove me. Test me. Bring the tithe and see what happens. You'll never know. You'll never know until you try. I, like, I love this verse. <laughs> and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And this has come true so many times as I see people take that step of tithing. And they tes- testify to me. When I was about to start tithing, as a, a gentleman, a brother, uh, you, some of you know him, brother Les Loading, he was trying to encourage me when I was a very, very young Christian. He said, "Francis, I'm going to tell you this: If you start tithing, if you decide to tithe, I guarantee you that God will move for you. And if He doesn't," i replace all the money that you have given as a tithe. Oh, you can't lose with that. That encouraged me. But he was so sure that God would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that I had not room to receive. He was so sure he was willing to put his money. He was pay me back by time. He never did have to pay me anything. <laughs> like one old preacher was praying one Sunday morning and said, Lord, we know that the windows of heaven will be closed this morning for some people. <laughs> They're refusing the offer to bring the tithe and see." Is God faithful? Yes. Prove it. How do you prove it? Tide. Like Brother Todd said, if you love God hump. No, if you love God, tithe. Yes. <laughs> Any, anybody can hump. The blessings goes on in verse eleven and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Ah, oh, the only time in the Bible that it says God will rebuke the devourer for our sake, the devil, usually he says, You rebuke the devil. I have given you power over devils. That's our job to rebuke devils and cast them out and send them on their way. But in this case, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. He sees things that I don't see. He sees the devourer try to get, preparing to get me. And I don't even know about it. He sends angels of the Lord for my sake. (laughs) Wow. I'm glad he's watching my back. He's watching my children. He's watching my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And I depend on that, claiming the blessings of Abraham that have come down through Jesus Christ to us go down to my children and children's children. The blessing of giving. We all need this in our life, don't we? Where the Lord, it it gets, it continues. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. The vine is sometimes related, uh, related as your wife and your children as small plants sitting around your table. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord our God. If we we would stay there, we would learn a lot about the blessings of the tithe. I'm going to skip the worship with Melchizedek and Abraham. That would be too long. I'm going to skip godly fear. There's a scripture that talks about that. I want to talk about our declaration in John 19.15. Can we have that on the screen? Pilate had asked, Do you want me to crucify your king? Oh, away with him, they cried out. Crucify him. Pilate said to him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered. What did he answer? We have no king except Caesar. Do you pay tax? How many pays tax? You pay it on time? April 15th? Do you tithe? (laughs) What gives me the audacity of me... Paying my tax to the government and not tithing. Which says who my king is. There's a problem in our nation right now because a lot of people think the the government is your provider. Well, you're limited then. If you think the government is your provider. But God has no limits. But Paul says, he shall supply all my needs through Christ Jesus and his resources. I want to tap into that. The blessings of receiving from giving. Wow. Now, why do you pay tax? Just ask some questions, you know. Why do you pay tax? The obvious answer would be, they'll come knocking on my door. They'll send the goons. They break my leg. Put me in jail. So we will fear the government more than we fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I don't want to hold my tithe in in my house or in my bank account. Oh, that's another story. We get, to, we get to that Wednesday. Those of you that would like a little more explanation and um, encouragement, come back Wednesday. I'll be here. Uh, I'll, I'll finish up what we're doing this morning. But paying our tax is saying Caesar is king. People ask, when I pay my tithe, when I figure my tithe, do I figure the ten percent before my tax, t- before my deductions, or after my deductions? I said, well, whoever you put first. You mean you pay your tithe before you pay your tax? You got it. You learn fast. <laughs> the first thing on on the the th- thing on your check if you receive a check. You receive maybe $500 and you check, say, $300. What are you going to pay on? Yeah. Because you declare, you make a declaration. You're not like the high priest. The high priest says, we have no king but Caesar. I would like to say, I have no king but Jesus. He responds to that. We'll talk about some blessings later on. <laughs> on that same line, we show all those things when we tithe. What do we show when we give an offering? We, we show our generosity and our love and our sacrifice. What Under the alms, we see the need of a person. We give an alms. It shows our compassion. We'll deal with that a little bit more. I'm moving on. Third line. Fourth line, talk about our attitude. What's the attitude of tithing? Look at it. It's like a tax. Tithe is brought, presented, not given. What do I mean by that? You can't give something that don't belong to you. See, the tithe is the Lord's. Throughout the Old Testament, it shows you that the first tenth, 10%, is the Lord's. You don't give it to the Lord, it is the Lord. You bring it, you bring the Lord's tithe to the storehouse, which is the church. It belongs to God, it's not given. Oh, I have a lot of things to say about that. Our attitude, our attitude of giving an offering, the scripture plainly says in 2 Corinthians nine sixty eight, it must be cheerful, not grudgingly, not of necessity, but with a blessing. Don't give an offering if you're grumpy, grouchy, don't want to give. Suppose somebody would come to you. I want to give you something because I notice you're poor. I notice you're having trouble. I didn't really want to do this, but um, the pastor said we should do it. We should help you out. So I hope that helps you. With that kind of attitude, what would you say to that giver? Keep your old stinking money or whatever you brought. I need it, but I don't need it that bad. <laughs> so when Brother Todd takes an offering for the, the missions in, uh, around the world and stuff like that, if you, if you can't give it cheerfully, without grudging, not of necessity with a blessing, it's important to give it with a blessing because the teaching in the Bible shows, and if you read those two chapters, you'll find out. When you give an offering with a blessing and all these things, the receiver receives it. And the first thing they do is thank God that somebody gave. And they begin praying for you because you gave, even not knowing you. They began asking God to bless that giver. God says, I think I will. We'll find out about that in a little while. You have to check yourself on this. You know, sometimes on Saturday morning, you've got a lot of things going. You've got a little project or you're uh, improving things around the house. You're doing what your wife told you to do. And you get to the four-way stop sign. You, you go into the big box stores to buy the tools or the equipment and products you need. And you come to the first four-way stop. And you got a, people, a bunch of people with buckets out there. You've seen them? You might have been one of them. Stop at the traffic. I'm, I'm wanting to go. Get out of my way. Who stopped first? The bucket people are messing things up. (laughs) And I just just start feeling I need to give something. Why? People might be watching you. (laughs) So I'm going through this litany of things. Can I give a cheerful gift? Not grudging, (laughs) not of necessity. Uh, but with a blessing, you got to check yourself all the time. <laughs> and if you don't want to give, don't give. I tell them I gave at the office. I gave at the church. When the, Not these people, but when people approach me for giving, I gave at the office, gave at the church. Say, if you really need, go to the church because I give to the church and the church will supply your need. But when they get here, the church wants them to live righteously. What's that? That's the best, that's the best place for, for money to come. You know what? If the, the church would have held on to the tithe all these years in America, where like George Washington said, I believe everybody should bring his tithe to his church what would happen? All the poor would be taken care of by the church. See, the church can give out help, welfare, gifts of money to people better than the government can because the church knows them and the church is not going to support sin where the government gives money to anybody. There's a lot of teaching. You're going to run me off before we do. But alms, let's look at the attitude of giving alms. Think of Mother Teresa. Think on her. We can learn so much from Mother Teresa. Her greatest thing was to be on the streets of Calcutta, India, looking for people in the gutter that was about to die. And this was her primary focus. What are you going to do with them? She says, I want to, I want to do something that where that person doesn't die alone. <laughs> that was her quest. That was her mission. And look what God did with her. She trained so many people to do the same thing. I remember her speaking, um, I don't know what it was for, but President Clinton was sitting right next to her. And on the issue of abortion, she said, if you don't have enough love for these children that you're aborting, send them to me. I'll take them. You didn't see the president move at all. I wish she'd get out of here. (laughs) When you think of alms, you think of four groups of people. I have a short list here. The poor, there's tremendous promises to those that support the poor. Widows, oh, that's at the top of the list. A lady that has lost her provider or lost her husband. When we step in and support the widows, wow. Orphans. A great promise to those that take care of the fatherless, the orphans. A few years ago, I realized I've been doing it, but I, I researched our past mentally. And my wife is an orphan. She spent many years as a child in an orphanage, and we can tell you many stories about that, but I didn't connect it to, until a few years ago. I got an orphan to support. And through our lineage, through our, the happenings of how we met, how we got met, how we eloped, and the subsequent happenings, and everything that happened, we see where God has a purpose for me. And one of them was to take care of his little widow, uh, orphan. She's not a widow yet. Because <laughs> I'm still here. And this is my first wife. So she walked up in the store one day and saw me in the butcher shop. And she told her cousin, see that boy over there? I'm going to marry him. And the rest is history. (laughs) But she had a word from the Lord. I was lost as a goose, you know. But she had a word from the Lord. The Lord putting us together. When she saw me, she knew. So that's my little widow. So I bring her before the Lord, my orphan. Lord, I'm taking care of her. <laughs> as long as I got a job, a purpose on earth, I think he would leave me here. So as long as he leaves her, I got a purpose. You got to think about these things. And the fourth thing on that list is the innocents, the people that are innocent. And the only people I know like that that need our help is the unborn baby. The unborn baby has one thing on his mind, the comfort of his mother and the voice of his mother and so forth and so on. But one day an instrument appears in his cocoon. Trouble. Now his only job in life is to escape the instrument. He needs some help. He needs somebody on his side. But the doctor's against him. The attendants are against him. He has no chance. I put it that way because for years I didn't even care. I was a pastor and never even thought about the babies that were being aborted. Till I saw. A full-color brochure of little baby parts that were torn apart. There's forgiveness for every mother that had abortions. And we, the crisis pregnancy ministers to that need. There is forgiveness, but we change our ways. And we receive forgiveness. And we work to save others. They're on the list of people that we can give alms to. The poor, the widows, the orphans, and the innocents. The blessings of this is tremendous. What time is it? Ten eighteen. That clock's right? We're not gonna make it. I have a friend, Lynn Canino. He's going to come help me for a moment. Lynn, can you help me? He promised he would. He's looking at his wife. (laughs) This is Lynn and his wife.
1: I believe I got honswoggled into this. What? We were having a conversation, you and I. You got these soft eyes that look right in you, and he knows what's in your heart. So we were talking, and, and I was yesing right along. <laughs> so he said, well, you're going to come up and give a little testimony. And I said yes before I knew it.
0: <clears throat> and there he is.
1: Here I am. <clears throat> I'm kind of out of my element here. It's not children's church. So uh, <laughs> tithing is, is, a, is a real passion for me. it means a lot and we started tithing as soon as we started here and uh, I think I'm a little nervous because I don't see a whole lot of children put a little closer Anyway <clears throat> about a year and a half ago I got a little arrogant quietly, and stopped. And we had a wonderful covering. Everything was fantastic. Tithing. Tithing don't mean the devil don't come against you. He still comes against you. You just got more tools to fight him with. The Lord covers you. A few months, short months went by. We started having some strife. Strife in our life, strife in our marriage, strife in both of our businesses Strife and health, poor health reports, and I'm healthy. I'm telling you. <clears throat> well, after a few short months, I realized what's going on. I, I just got arrogant and said, Well, I, I, just, I just want to see. It. Well, that's the wrong way to test God. In a very short period of time, I put it all back in God's hands and hadn't stopped. God said, Test me. And when He covers you, that's the truth, He covers you. Things changed almost immediately in our businesses, health reports, strife in our life, strife in our family. My baby girl could attest to that. So it's a a huge passion. I'm so glad that you have the book now. I got tired of burning the CDs for your sermon. I burn the CDs for your sermon every time somebody tells me that they're having trouble. Tithe. So he bought
0: a case of books. I
1: don't just remember how many, but I give them away to people who say they have trouble in their life. Here you go. Find your church somewhere and start tithing. <clears throat> anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And I made a lot of different offers. I don't want to get into the, everything that happened in our life, but it straightened up within just a few short days. It is truly a covering in your life. If such a covering, I believe God says you don't even have to use a sword anymore. Because what I'm going to give you is something that's a lot more fun. Because the devil keeps coming against you when you try to be a Christian. So he gives you this hammer, big hammer. It's like whack-a-mole, you just knock them out. <laughs> he gives you the tools inside to deal with it. You know, I had I, the devil come against me this morning, big time. You got to break out the hammer. Not a problem, he gives you that to work with. I have just a handful of close friends that know. How passionate I am about tithing. Those people might not admit to being my friends, but you people know who you are. You know? <laughs> anyway. But it's, it's a huge passion. And I just want to say it works. It works. It works. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind it works. So I praise God every day that I can tithe. Amen. If you can't afford to tithe, that ain't nothing but fear. And fear is not a God.
0: Thank you, Lynn. He's the only man I know in the world that received a text from God. (laughs) It was during our fasting and prayer. He was sitting at home by himself, nothing to do. And he spied a banana on the counter. So he sneaked over and got that banana Ate the banana. Then he got a text on his phone. Who's texting me? He went to the phone and opened it up and he said, The text says, I see you. <laughs> he looked at the window he said, Somebody might be outside watching me. Went to the window, can't find anybody. Lord <laughs> he finally found out it was somebody at a football game who was texting their friend I see you across the stadium and it was a wrong number <laughs> but God don't have no wrong numbers My own story, I did start tithing. I was saved in 1962 in the spring. Later that year, um, the pastor had called me over and uh, sat me down. And I was uh, married to his niece. And he knew our situation when we were poor. We had three babies, two of them cesarean section. Seven days in the hospital with doctor's bills, drug bills. I was making $90 a week as a butcher. We were in poverty land. And he comes to me, Francis, one thing you got to do. What do I got to do? He says, you need to tithe. Hadn't heard the word before in my life. What is that? And he explained it to me. (laughs) I started laughing. He knew as well as I, I couldn't tithe. I was paying $3 a month on my bills. Humongous. Bills. I had no insurance. They had three lovely children. He says, You've got to tithe. So he explained it to me. So I say, Okay, it's a step of faith, right. So I talked to Beth. We need to start tithing. And she was already on board, of course. She was raised tithing in the orphanage and she was taught early. And she was all in favor of it. So I got the calendar out and we picked the Sunday where we would start tithing. This, that Sunday was months in advance. I don't know why. I didn't have the courage to do it this Sunday. But I, I circled it on the calendar. And on that calendar day, I brought that $9 check and presented it in the church. What happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. I wasn't worried about it, but I was tithing. That took all the worry away. Didn't change a thing. But one day, I, went, I was living in Baldwin. I went to Franklin to get a haircut. Got a haircut. We, we couldn't grow our hair long in those days. So I got a haircut, walked out the, uh the barbershop, and a man came rushing to me. He owned the professional pharmacy where you buy your drugs. His name was Charlie April. And he got right in front of me. He said, Francis, Francis, where are you doing business? I didn't know what he was talking about. But like life flashes in front of your eyes, sir. Oh, I always had a big bill, more than my salary. I could never pay it. But I kept buying my drugs there and trying to pay something, but it, it wouldn't do. I got in deeper and deeper debt. Oh, my bills paid off. I didn't think about it. Mrs. Charlie... This is what's happened. I don't need any drugs anymore. My children have not been sick. But if they ever get sick and we need drugs, I'm going to come right to you. Oh, that relieved him because he thought I was buying my drugs. I didn't realize it, but at the same time, God is watching my back. My children hadn't been sick. We hadn't needed it. What's the best route for you? That's the first thing that happened. Then I got a job that tripled my salary, and the rest is history again. Do you think I would stop tithing now? And we tithe all the days of our life, and God remained faithful. we're about to go into overtime. (laughs) But see on the chart, you can't mix up the results at the bottom. I'm talking about the blessings of receiving from giving, but at the bottom, the results are very important. The results of the tithe, all the blessings of God. The results of the um, offering... Is multiplication. It will multiply and come back to you. Your griping and complaining will multiply too. You're criticizing and your judgmental attitude will multiply too. And it will come back upon you. And you complain, why everybody criticizing me? So you, you, you planted seed, bro. It's multiplying and coming back. So the Bible says, make sure when you give, you give shaken down. You give bountifully. And that's how it's going to come back to you. You believe that? We got to go. But I want to close with a couple of things. When I found out I was going to have to have open heart surgery and remove a valve, replace a valve, I wasn't happy about that. That happened in 92. But in 98, I ate too much Easter candy and went into atrial fibrillation and wound up in the hospital for three days. You know what I think of Easter candy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> too much caffeine. Took them three days to straight out my heart. And they told me, I, I, I would ask, when should I change this thing? Well, we don't know. But don't miss the window of opportunity. So I said, well, this window is closing, evidently. So I made an arrangement right away to change the valve and go into the hospital and major heart surgery. And it was calcified. My mitral valve was totally calcified. And the doctor told my wife, Charlie Bustani, told my wife, says, when we touch the valve, it just crumbled. Oh, she said, he used to beat on his heart when it it would uh, get irregular, I would hit it. I thought maybe that would straighten it out. It did. (laughs) But how God was protecting me, you know how I found out about this? Seeking the Lord, he led me to Psalms 41. He that considereth the poor, I will be with him in time of trouble. And there's a list of things on page 61 of the book uh, that's included. I ran out of time, so I can't give it to you. But I found out if you would consider the poor, help the poor, with all these heartfelt things, that God would be with you in trouble. And there's other promises. He would raise you off of your sick bed. He'd be in with you and stuff like that. So I accepted that. But I needed some poor. I asked the congregation, bring me some poor. We've got to help the poor. They didn't bring one soul. Where can we find some poor? So I thought about Mike and Dottie in Nicaragua. Brother Mike. Sent him a bunch of money. Mission money. Take care of the orphans. Feed the poor. I found out about Larry Myers. He came to preach for me. I gave him a check before he preached. He said, don't do that. I said, Larry, you can't preach that good. (laughs) Compared to what I'm going to give you. So I gave him that check. I said, oh. But my mission was... To help some poor. And he does. And that was an avenue. We sent bundles of money to him. Out of missions fund. And we had sold the radio station at that time. And the board of the radio station said. Send all the money to missions. So I began to do that. So by the time I went to the hospital. To remove the valve. I was totally confident. Upon the promises of God. That he would bring me through. I can't go without reading that list. It's on the board. I can see it better here though. God will be with him in trouble. God will deliver him. God will protect and preserve him. That's good. God will keep him alive. That's good too. He shall be blessed upon the earth. I'll take that. God will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. God will strengthen, sustain, refresh him while upon his bed of languishing. God will turn, change, and transform him in his illness. God is in control. By giving alms. I got a little perm. Y'all like perms? I never did. (laughs) But I like this one. People say they can't afford it. I understand. I was in that group. I couldn't afford to tithe, (laughs) I just had to. And God has blessed us tremendously. The church tithes. The church is blessed tremendously. You don't have any fundraisers to attend to. Oh, that's good. The bride, the bride, bent with age, lean over her cane, her steps uncertain and needed guiding, while down the aisle with toothless smile, the groom in a wheelchair gliding, and who is this elderly couple thus wed? You'll find when you've closely closely explored it. This is that rare, most conservative pair that waited until they could afford it.